Isaiah chapter 6. Amen. And verse number 1. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Amen. This is uh, something that the Lord allowed the prophet Isaiah to see and gave him proper perspective about his God. Amen. The king of glory. And verse 2 reads, reads on. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain or with two he covered his feet. And with two he did fly. Amen. The angel, uh, side note here, the angel realized I'm in his presence and I've got to cover up. Amen. Being in God's presence will cause a person to realize the need for a covering in their lives. To be covered, to be holy. Amen. In his presence. Verse 3, and one cried unto another. Amen. One angel cried to the other and said, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. They cried back and forth one to another. Reminding themselves each other. Of who God was. And how holy he was. Amen. The Bible makes a big deal about the holiness of God. It makes a big deal. And this scripture lets us to know that. God is emphatically holy. In fact. They said it three times so we could get the picture and get the understanding. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is still something that the prophet Isaiah is seeing in Isaiah chapter 6. The Lord is allowing Isaiah to see a perspective of God that he has not previously seen before. The Bible says, verse number 4, it continues Amen. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. Amen. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King. Say that with me. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims, Unto me having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And I'm going to just talk, preach for a few moments today about how... Do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Amen. Let's pray. Take a few moments. Let's talk to the Lord. God, we ask you one more time in this house today. I'm asking you, Lord, to anoint me as your servant, Lord, today to speak things into the hearts and the ears and the minds of your people. I'm praying today you would anoint every heart and every every individual, every family here today to receive the engrafted word of God today. I pray, Lord, that the anointing would move from the pulpit to the pew, Lord. 
And I pray there would be response from the people of God today in this house. Let us be changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we'll give you glory and honor today. Everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated. Uh, a couple of years ago now, uh, we witnessed a very uh, important event that happened uh, to our president. And I'm going to take a few moments and talk about something that's in politics, but not be political about it from the pulpit. Uh, the American media uh, portrays our president today as an illegitimate president and they portray him as a villain who simply stole the White House. However, President Donald Trump a few years ago when he took office traveled and to a, for a specific, a special state visit in Saudi Arabia. While the American media, the American media and probably a good portion of the population in the United States still views the president as this horrible, despicable uh, person. That's the perspective that many have in America. But when our president went to Saudi Arabia for a state visit, we saw a different side to our president. Because it was at the state visit in Saudi Arabia that they rolled out the red carpet from Air Force One to the palace, the most extravagant, beautiful, ornate palace in all of Saudi Arabia. And there were even workers at this particular state visit, some airport workers that took off their shoes before manicuring the carpet with brooms in 97 degree heat. There was at this particular state visit jet airplanes that flew over in Saudi Arabia with red, white, and blue smoke coming out the back of the airplanes. There was a band that was playing, a full band that played welcoming the President of the United States of America. There was the Royal Saudi Forces Honor Guard that practiced rifle drills and then stood at attention while President Trump and his kingly escort walked through the terminal. There was at this particular state event celebratory cannon fire that took place. There was people offering up aromatic incense. They wanted to smell beautiful, look beautiful. They poured it on. The red carpet was lined. That strip from Air Force One to the palace was lined with royalty in its finest dress, in its finest getup. As the president drove down from that uh, Air Force One drop-off point down through the city. There were horses prancing around the city that day as the president and the king of Saudi Arabia drove from one destination to another. There was American flags that lined the streets welcoming the president of the United States. And then finally, the king of Saudi Arabia presented the president with the kingdom's top civilian honor, the gold King Abdulaziz Medal. There could not be two more divergent perspectives of one particular individual. Yeah. From the American media to the way that the people in Saudi Arabia uh, poured it on to the president, our president, Donald J. Trump. Uh, 
there was two divergent perspectives of the same individual. We could ask a question, who got it right? We don't want an answer to that right now. We're not talking about a... Uh, we're not talking about politics, but I want to reveal to you today that there is the possibility that there could be two people that, I, that look at the same object, same person, and see two completely different things. The church is not Republican, it's not Democrat, it's not Green Party, it's not Libertarian, it's not Independent, uh, it's, it's apolitical. We follow a higher mandate. But the, the thing, the, the reason I brought this particular example out from the onset of this message today is, is there are so many people that they, they look at the exact same object and they see two different things today. And there is a need for proper perspective, amen, to be given to the viewer, amen, that are beholding that person or that object. And so in the book of Isaiah chapter number 6, amen, the Bible says in the year that King Uzziah died, that was a very sorrowful moment for the prophet Isaiah because the King Uzziah was a good king. He did great things. And there was, uh, it was, it would be easy for the prophet Isaiah to be discouraged to become distraught and to not understand uh, what was happening in the kingdom. Amen. And, and the Lord recognized that what Isaiah needed more than anything else in this particular juncture uh, was that the need was for the prophet Isaiah to get a proper perspective of who I am. Yes. Amen. God in all of his wisdom and his infinite wisdom realized that what Isaiah needed was for some proper perspective to be handed down to this, this man. Amen. That it would, uh, there are people today that uh, if we, uh, we don't allow God to work in our lives, we look at things from the wrong perspective. And instead of seeing a president, we see a villain. Or instead of seeing a villain, we see a president. Or whatever side of the uh, political spectrum you're on. But it matters your perspective. It matters how you view the Lord. And so the Lord allowed us, uh, Isaiah, in the year that King Isaiah died, to see once again the Lord of glory. He saw the Lord, amen, sitting upon a throne, sitting upon a throne, one throne, and the Lord, amen, that sat upon the throne. He wasn't uh, pacing back and forth, but He sat upon that throne with all authority, with all power, with all confidence, amen, a God that was in control. And so Isaiah looks up and he sees God sitting upon the throne, amen, comfortable with what's happening around him and in complete control of everything. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. Above the fray, above all the problems, above all the distresses, above all the turmoil, above all the uh, all the unrest in the world, he sees the Lord, amen, that's in control high and lifted up. And the Bible says that his train filled the temple. What does that mean, his train filled the temple? From study, from the study of history. There was a practice that every time a king would go off to battle and he would win a battle, he would uh, there would be a little patch that they would make, a, a little fabric 
patch that they would make. Uh, and every time they would go out to another battle and they would win another war, there would be another patch that was sewn to that first patch. And so uh, through the process of time and, com- and many, many victories, there was many patches that they would put together and they would sew together and it would be uh, a garment that the king would wear and it would show all of the victories that he's won. And the Bible says that as Isaiah looked upon the Lord, he saw the Lord with the train that filled the temple. Amen. He saw a God that had won many victories, a God that had won many battles, a God that knew no defeat, but a God that was in complete control over everything. It would be easy for Isaiah to look around and say, what are we going to do now? Uh, the king Isaiah died, and there's not another good king that's in line. We don't know what's going to happen next. But the Lord in that particular juncture in Isaiah's life said, what you need, Isaiah, is to look up. And you need to lift up your eyes and recognize that I'm still God, that I'm still in control, that I'm high and lifted up. And I've never lost a battle. Amen. I want to ask you today, how have you viewed the Lord lately? How have you viewed the Lord? Are you looking at Him today and seeing a God that's impoverished? Are you looking at Him today and seeing a God that's sick and a God that's handicapped and a God that is not able, a God that's asleep? Are you looking at Him and seeing a God that wants to punish you for all the things? Amen. Are you looking at Him today and seeing a God, amen, that mirrors the image of the, your, your earthly father? And you look at Him and say, well, if, if my earthly father abandoned me, if my earthly father uh, ran out of mom, if my earthly father mistreated me and, and beat me, and if my earthly father did all these things, and surely my heavenly father must be the same way. Surely my heavenly father He's got to look like my my earthly father. And so the perspective must change in our lives. How have you viewed him lately? I want to ask you today, how do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus today? Do you see him high and lifted up? Do you see him upon a throne? Do you see him as a God that has all power? Do you see him as a holy God? Have you inspected every area, every corner of your life and asked, is God pleased with me? Am I making him feel welcome in my life? To what lengths will I go to show my appreciation for his goodness in my life? How do you view the Lord? He's a God that's in control. He's a God that's in charge. King Uzziah reigned over the nation of Israel for over 50 years. And history records he was a very great king who led the nation to serve the Lord and he brought about peace. Uzziah was a good king. Uzziah brought peace and, and, and uh, calm and a restfulness to the, to the nation of Israel. He did many great things for the people of God. But in spite of the absence of King Uzziah, amen, God wanted the people to realize, don't ever put your, all of your focus, all of your energies, and all of your hopes and dreams upon the man. Because behind the man, I'm still God. I'm still in control. I'm still in charge. And I haven't changed. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hallelujah. As I said before, he was sitting upon a throne. He wasn't worried. He wasn't stressed out. 
He wasn't running around. And he sure enough wasn't sleeping on the job. But he sat upon the throne in control, in charge. High lifted up. Above principalities and powers. Above the turmoils and problems that bog us down. He sat high lifted up. Above all the things that you and I deal with. It doesn't mean he's detached from what you and I faced, felt, or feel. But he knows. And he's in charge. If nothing else, I'm just going to remind somebody today of who God is. I want to remind you today who he is. His train filled the temple. We know, from I said a moment ago, that those battle patches from every victorious encounter were filling that temple. He knows no defeat. He's in charge. As a, as a young person playing basketball, we would have all the guys line up on the basketball court, and we would pick teams court day. We had like 10 guys and we'd pick teams. We'd shoot for captains. Whoever made the first two uh, baskets was a team captain. They would pick their team. Uh, the rest of the eight guys would line up. And you just hoped and prayed you'd be on a winning team. You hoped and prayed that, you know, I hope they pick me. And I hope I get on the team with that guy and this guy and that person over there. Because if we can get together and we're going to win. We, we got the skill, the talent, the size, and, all, and on down the line, we're going to win. We want to be on the winning team. All you've got to do to be on the winning team is get on God's side. All you've got to do is make sure that you're right with him. You're living holy for the Lord. You're walking hand in hand with him. You're connected to the things that really matter in this life. And there's no question who's going to win the battle. The Bible says that there were seraphims that had six wings. Uh, There were a flaming fire and there were cherubims that had four wings. Uh, and seeing him and knowing him for who he really is will cause you to cover yourself from the sinfulness of the flesh, to be covered, to be holy. Seeing God as a holy God will cause you to cover your nakedness, to cover yourself. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This was a Something that one angel would say to the other. If it was me and Brother Noah, I would say to Brother Noah, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Brother Noah would say back to me, Holy, holy, A little bit stronger voice than that. He'd shout it probably. And, you know, back in high school, uh, we, we would get the, the crowd riled up a little bit. And one side of the auditorium, would say, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? And one the other side of the auditorium would shout it back. we got spirit. Yes, we do. we got spirit. How about you? And it'd get crazy. It'd get louder and louder. And we start to work up the atmosphere and build the excitement and recognize that this was, a, this was a real game and we're excited about it. In the things of God, it's holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. And somebody else says it back. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. And, and you begin to see different uh, uh, components at play in the interaction between the angels. As one angel shouted out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the other angel shouted back at them. 
And you even begin to see uh, different uh, threads through that fabric uh, of of church and the things of God. As a preacher begins to preach and declares the word of God. And the people of God preach with the preacher. And there's a throwing back of the word that was declared. Amen. In your your ears. In your hearing. And we ought to practice that every time we come to church. And the preacher says there's just one God. And Jesus in his name. There ought to be a hearty amen. And a praise the Lord. And a preaching pastor. I believe it. Come on. Walk that road. However you do it. But preach with the preacher. Throw it back. Amen. And let that word of God generate some excitement let it generate some life let it generate something miraculous down on the inside hallelujah may we as a church ever be a church that knows how to preach with the preacher knows how to throw it back and say I believe the word that's been preached I believe the declared word of God he is emphatically a holy God may we never forget that he's a holy God If there's one word that many in the world try to characterize God as, if you were to say describe God in one word, many, many people, probably some of us, would say he's love. And we'd be right. He's love. But to fully, the the one word that, that is emphatically descriptive of our God is holy. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, love, love, love. God is love. It says that he's love. It says that he he is the embodiment of love. But only in the scriptures does it say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. How do you see him? How do you see him? He's a holy God today. He demands our worship and our praise. He is emphatically a holy God. Isaiah saw one throne. He didn't see three thrones. He didn't see Father God, Jehovah Junior, and the little spirit smoke cloud that was sitting on the third throne. He saw one throne and one God who sat upon the throne. One God. God wanted Isaiah to have some proper perspective. This happens in Isaiah chapter 6. Is it any wonder throughout the book of Isaiah that there's so much just to reign about one God? So much scripture throughout the book of Isaiah is about there's one Lord. I alone made the heavens. I did it all by myself. I'm God. There's none else. There's there's none beside me. There's one God. And Isaiah goes on and on throughout scriptures. If you're looking for one God scriptures, the book of Isaiah is right full of one God. One God scriptures. And, And the reason for it is because early on, God gave Isaiah some perspective that there's one throne in heaven and one that sat upon the throne. Amen. There's one God. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. And this will forever be a one God. Apostolic tongue talking. Holiness church. Amen. Amen. I wish that somebody that believed what I'm preaching today. I wish that somebody that would stand to their feet and say, I believe it from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. There's one God. 
even child of God. Hallelujah. There's one God. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Amen. I'm just checking today. Are we still an apostolic church that believes in one God? Are we still an apostolic church that believes here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord? Are we still a church that believes one Lord, one faith, one baptism? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Isaiah needed perspective as he set out in his ministry. He's got to see Jesus and you and I. And then as we begin this walk with the Lord, we've got to have perspective. If you're going to live for God, you can't live for God thinking that God's just like your earthly father. If you're going to live for God, you've got to see him for yourself, honey. You've got to know him. You've got to find out for yourself. He's all right. He's all right. He's all right. He's a good, 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 good God. Hallelujah. He's a good God. And he's able to do the miraculous. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I rebuke every spirit of doubt right now in this house. I rebuke every spirit, hallelujah, every lackadaisical, complacent spirit. I bind every spirit of hell that would try to thwart the will of God in this service right now. I take authority in the name of Jesus. I bind every spirit of hell that would fight the work of God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands one more time. Hallelujah. Come on, would you clap with all your heart? Amen. Would you clap with everything you've got? Yes. your Lord. I worship your Lord. Hallelujah. Just because you might deal with, with depression, you might deal with anxiety, and you might deal with moodiness and mood swings, and you begin to think, well, God must be like I am. And so you think, well, God loves me today, but he won't love me tomorrow. And I've been bad, so God doesn't love me now. And we begin to rationalize and think in our minds, but can I tell you that God is the same God yesterday and today and forevermore. He changes not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh God, I'm waiting upon the Lord. I'm worshiping God. I'm waiting, God. I'm obedient in the waiting, God. I know you're in the waiting sometimes. I'll worship you in the waiting. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
He's a great God. He's a great God. Hallelujah. He's a great God. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. We sang a song with the Robert years ago. Says I tried him and I found out he's alright with me. I tried him and I found out he's alright with me. Amen. I wonder if anybody in this place has tried him for yourself and found out he's alright with me. He's an old time God. Hallelujah. Isaiah, unique perspective about your God. If you're ever going to do something for God, you need some proper perspective about Him. Hallelujah. Why did not God use the seraphims and the cherubims, amen, to deliver His message to the people? Why didn't God just say, here, here, come here, Michael, come here, Gabriel. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to do these things. In Isaiah chapter 6, we read, I think it was verse 8, he says, uh, uh, there, was, there was a gap, and let me read it here. He says that there was a, he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? The God of heaven, the God of glory, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Amen. All around the Lord was seraphims and cherubims and angels that had all had lots of power and they were big in size and they were bad dudes and they could do most anything. But the Lord said, hey, whom shall I send and who will go for us? God's still looking for a man or a woman that says, God, I want to be a part. God, you can call on me. Here am I. Send me, Lord. Let me be the one to teach the Bible study. Let me be the one to teach the Sunday school. Let me be the one to sing. Let me be the one to play. Amen. It's not not to be that there's so many people on the pews not involved in living for God. Not involved in advancing the kingdom. There ought to be some young men and some young women that come out of the chair and say, God, do it through me. Use my life. Send me, Lord. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. The problem is, the problem is, is there's so many that don't want to be involved. There's so many that are not willing to go. They're not willing to do things in the kingdom of God because they first have not had an encounter with God. It's hard to get excited about something you don't know about. But once you found out that he's a good God and he's all right, it's easy to say, God, I want to be a part. Because if I'm on your team, we win. If I'm on your team, I'm blessed. If I'm on your team, I'm coming out ahead. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. Hallelujah, we praise you today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We can have dry, dead service if you want to. Amen. But I refuse here today to go home discouraged. I refuse to go home depressed. I refuse to leave the same way, Shawnee, as when I walk in the front doors. But I want to leave changed, strengthened, empowered. Amen. I want to walk.
with God when I get out of here. I want to say when I leave church today, amen, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. I saw him. He's great. He's greatly to be praised. He's a great, big God. He's a holy God. And he's worthy of praise and worship. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, let somebody see you today. Let somebody see you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You got to see him. You got to know he's a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. I was a young boy in San Jose years ago. And there was a lady came to the, the altar area and one leg shorter than the other. One leg had platforms. It was Brother Hancock. And that service has the name of the evangelist. He said, if anybody wants to see a miracle, come up to the front right now. God's going to heal this lady. Her name Carmen, Sister Carmen. Sister Carmen. And they began to pray for her. And it wasn't long before that short leg began to stretch forth. It began to grow like that in the middle of service. It grew in front of your eyes. You could see the leg growing. I live with my baby. She's growing a lot. I never saw her grow. I've seen, I've seen the results of her growing. I'm like, wow, she's getting bigger. But to, to be there in an altar and to see a leg moving out, growing, God believes in expansion. Yes. Amen. God didn't touch the, the longer leg and make it shorter. He touched the shorter leg and make it longer. Yeah. Because it's God's will that we keep growing and extending yes. and reaching out. But God is able to heal even any sickness, any disease, any physical ailment. God is able to heal, amen, whatever the sickness today. And if there's anybody that believes what I'm preaching today, you'd be a fool to walk out here the same way. If you've got a need in your body, if you've got a need in your body, in your life, amen, I will make sure that I got before the Lord before leaving church and I begin to pray, God, heal my body. God, they said it was true. God, the man preached. He preached. It was in the Word. Would you do it for me, Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. God didn't use the angels. He used Isaiah. And God wants to use somebody in this place. God's not going to send another angel to do what you can do, Brother Nathan. He's not going to send another angel to what you can do, Brother Raul. He's going to say, hold on, angels. I still got Brother Nathan and Brother Raul. I'm waiting on them. Angels, hold off. You can't do what they can do. Those people have a different story than yours. They got a different story. Because God wants to use people that have gone through some things in life. God wants to use some people who recognize their absolute dependence upon God to reach other sinful creatures. You see, Isaiah could preach like no other angel in all of heaven. He could say things to people on this earth that the angels 
people will listen to them. You haven't walked in my shoes. Isaiah could say, you know what? I've been delivered from drugs and alcohol. I've seen God deliver me. He can do it for you. God healed me of this X, Y, and Z. He delivered me. He brought me back. He can do it for you. The angels can't tell that story like Brother Raul can. The angels can't tell the story like Brother Nathan can. The angels don't have your story, Brother Nathan. You've got your own story. Angels wish they had a story like yours. But you can share that story. And people will be healed. People will be delivered. People will be transformed. Because you can preach to your family and to your neighborhood and to your workplace like no other angel can. There's a man, there's a story in the Bible. I think it's the rich man of Lazarus. The Bible says that uh, the rich man had mistreated, for the sake of time, had mistreated Lazarus. Lazarus was a good man, went to be in the bosom of Abraham. Uh, The rich man went down to hell, because we still believe in heaven and hell. You're either one or the other. It's not a purgatory. Amen. Uh, And the Bible says that the rich man lifted up his voice in torment and said, Father Abraham, send send some prophets to witness. Send some angels. Send send somebody to witness to my brothers and my family that's on earth. And and, and the response went back. No. They're not going to listen to them. They got others like these people here that they'll listen to. You see, angels don't have the same story that Sister Didi has. Sister Didi has his testimony. The angels don't have. They came, if they came to, to, to try to do what you would do, Sister Didi, they couldn't do it. But God gave you a testimony. And you ought to share that testimony. Because there's people that are in hell tonight. There's people that are in hell today that are saying, send somebody. And God said, I got Janet there. I got Janet there. That's her job. I got Sister Raina there. That's her job. And they're in hell crying out. And God says, no. Sister Felicia's there. That's her responsibility. The proper perspective of him brings proper perspective of ourselves. Because it wasn't long after Isaiah saw the Lord that he began to look at himself and said, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. God, I'm a filthy sinner. I'm no good. I'm insufficient. And God said, I can help you with that. We put some fire in your lips, some fire in your soul. You know what God's done today? Is God's allowed you to see him. And in the process of seeing him, you can't help but realize I'm insufficient. I'm dirty. I'm filthy. And God says, I'll take care of that, sister, now. Here's the Holy Ghost. Now you can do it. But first you have to see who I was. You need to see who I am. How do you see Jesus today? It's been said that we tend to view our Heavenly Father, the music of play, the way that we view our natural Father. This is what people have said, psychologists. People that have a lot more experience in life than I do. We tend to view God the way we view our natural earthly father. And if our natural earthly father died, ran out on us, abused us, mistreated us, if, if we had a relationship with our earthly father, we mess up and we get beaten, we get beat, 
we get whipped. We, we, we tend to take that to view the Lord. God, I hope you're not going to be like my earthly father. Our heavenly father is not waiting for us to mess up. So he can smack us over the head. You failed again. You sorry, no good for nothing. Our natural father may have been fickle and mean. Or even absent. Even insecure. But our loving heavenly father wants the best for this group of people today. Our loving heavenly father believes in your testimony, Sister Dee. He believes in your testimony, Sister Camarina. Our loving Father believes that you can do something, Sister Gina, that angels can't do. You can share your testimony. You can reach for those that are on their way out, on their way down. And you have a more powerful testimony than the angels that are in heaven right now. The problem is that so many times we don't see him right. So we see ourselves wrong. And therefore we inhibit ourselves. And we don't step out and share what God's done for us in our lives. We keep doing things the wrong way. And our perspectives need altering. They need adjusting. They need changing. Our loving Father, amen, will pick you up when you fall. And our loving Father expects greatness out of this church. God expects this church to be great and to do exploits because the Bible says they that know their God for the nation shall be strong. They that know their God shall be strong and they will do exploits. They'll do great things. They'll do great things for their God because they know Him. They know Him. Why don't we stand to our feet today and I'm close. I'm done. Hallelujah. We've worshiped God a whole lot this morning, this afternoon. I'm going to ask you one last time to lift up your hands unto the Lord in this place and to take a few moments to allow the Lord to give you some proper perspective. I want you to ask the Lord today. I want everybody to ask the Lord today, God, would you help me to see you a little bit more clearly today, right now, than I have before. Jesus, I'm asking you today to remove the blinders from my eyes. Remove the veil from my eyes. I want to see you, Lord. Lord, if you thought it was important for Isaiah to see you, that you believe it's important for me to see you also. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Take a few moments and worship Him. Come on, take a few moments and worship Him today. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come on, just take a few moments and just worship Him. Remember, worship is acknowledging God for who He is. Forget about what He's done for a few moments. Take some time and worship Him for who He is. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord on the throne high and lifted up. 
His train fill the temple. Hallelujah. I'm seeing you in the right perspective. I want to see you as you are today. I want to see you as you are today, Lord. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Come on, let's see. Lift up your voice for a few moments. Lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your voice. Worship Him. Come on, somebody's got to see Him today. Somebody's got to worship Him. Yes, Lord, we love you, Lord. We give you glory and praise. Worship and honor today, Lord. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. I like Brother Paul and Bishop Cameron to come up here and stay on this platform. Brother Bishop Cameron, I want you to stand right here. Stand on this platform facing out. They're gonna they're gonna have some oil right now. We're gonna we're gonna put into action what we believe right now. Take some more. If you have a need in your life right now, you say, you know what, I need a miracle. I want you to come to this front area. And I want you to just simply tell. If you can't share the, the exact details, tell these, these men of God right here what the need is. And we're going to pray right now specifically that God would touch your need. Because I'm telling you today, God is still a healing God. He's still a miracle working God. If you've got anything in your life, you say, I need to have a need. I want God to minister to my need right now. I want you to step to this altar area. And we're going to ask these men to pray right now in the name of Jesus. We're going to lose faith right now. We're going to lose faith right now. We're going to pray. And the rest of you, amen, I want you to lift up your voice and stretch forth your hands. Let's lift up our voices. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus. God for Janet right now. Come against every physical ailment in her body. I find this sickness. Lord, I command it to loose through right now. I command healing right now, Lord, to fall on the power I'm not going to say I'm 